Well, welcome back, everyone. I am your host, Wayne Pearson, and you are listening to Episode 9 of Season 3 of the Pogel Podcast. Boy, do we have an important conversation for you in this episode. As Pogel practitioners, we have probably all been faced with talking about Pogel to folks who don't really know much about Pogel. Some of those people might be our colleagues who are interested in Pogel and might want to bring this pedagogy into their classrooms. So you have an opportunity for outreach. Another common scenario is that your teaching is being evaluated and you need to educate your departmental or institutional administration about what you are doing in your classroom. We have a great team of people to talk about talking about Pogel. Sheila Barback is currently a member of the science faculty at Golda Ock Academy in West Orange, New Jersey. She previously taught 5th to 8th grade science at Gerard Berman Day School in Oakland, New Jersey, where she also served as general studies principal. She has taught high school science in grades 9 through 11 in New Jersey and biology at the community college level at County College of Morris in Randolph, New Jersey. Christy Martis is a faculty member and chair of the Department of Chemistry, Physics, and Engineering Studies at Chicago State University in all places, Chicago, Illinois. Our interviewer is Alex Gruschow, who is a faculty member at Ryder University in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, and chair of the Department of Earth and Chemical Sciences. So we have three people who have multiple perspectives on the importance of talking about Pogel. So I'm just going to step on back and turn it over to Alex. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, So first I want to uh, have you each introduce yourselves. I know Wayne gave us a nice little introduction of of where you're at. Um, But I also want you to tell us a little bit about those experiences and um, how you got, you know, what is your your institutional uh, culture when it comes to sort of perhaps using uh, non-traditional teaching methods. So Christy, I'm gonna start with you. Yeah, um, so I am uh, currently in the first year of being the chair of chemistry and physics. I was an interim chair for a year during COVID, um, but now I'm chair in my own right. Uh, but I've been at CSU for almost 20 years and I've taught uh, primarily uh, chemistry, a few physical science classes, but chemistry uh, coming out of physical chemistry Uh, and general chemistry. And I think I've been very lucky that Chicago State um, in my department has a pretty extensive history of of interest in active learning and teaching uh, different pedagogies. Uh, We have an actual uh, chemistry educator, um, Andrea Van Duzer on on staff. We have a physics educator, uh, Mel Sabella, who is past president of the American Association of Physics Teachers. We have quite a bit of freedom in our department to teach uh, and try out new teaching methods. And we write our own um, DACs, the department of, you know, basically the the document that says whether you get tenure or not. And so even before I started there, we pretty much written in, you know, they were at the point where they were transitioning from being Mm -hmm. more lecture-based to more uh, guided inquiry-based when I started there. And we've just kind of kind of slid that in. It's not actually specifically required that you do active learning, but it's uh, certainly not any any kind of barrier to uh, to tenure, the way we do the evaluations. Right. Yeah, and, and, and you mentioned something that's very important, and, and actually I've been very fortunate uh, at, at Rider University in that 
the department sort of generates most of the uh, decision-making when it comes to your teaching. Um, and that is you have some evaluation going on from outside the department, but primarily the department is the one that sets the criteria. Uh, and that that is very helpful. Um, not everybody gets that luxury. Um, Sheila, you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your experiences? Sure. So, hi. Um, so, I was actually introduced to Pogel when I taught at County College of Morris by my chairperson. So, that was great because it really came as a suggestion from the department. Um, I was the only person using the method in my department, but there was no barrier to trying it out or anything like that. And then when I left County College of Morris, it was to actually go to a school that wanted to implement inquiry-based learning in specialized programming for the middle school students. So it was also already there. I just kind of kept following it <laughs> and finding opportunities to teach that way. And in my current position, I actually interviewed, I wrote about using um, Pogel method and inquiry learning in my teaching practice and my demo lesson was a Pogel lesson. So, and we have built into the middle schoolers weekly schedule our inquiry lab classes where the teachers, we have a rotation of teachers that design a two month long inquiry based project in any subject. Um, so I designed one, um, the uh, social studies collaborated, uh, there was a Spanish one, but my point is that there was the inquiry is very much woven into um, the curriculum here. So it's always been, you know, not, I don't want to say expected, but at least um, from the minimum of being open to it, like, okay, yeah. to we actively encourage inquiry-based right. learning. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like both of you have uh, found yourself in very fertile ground for adopting mm -hmm. Pogel um, or, you know, any kinds of active uh, methods. Um, I will say that I did not land in fertile ground, um, and it is it's been a it's been a challenge here to uh, get colleagues on board. Of course, you know I've been here quite a while, um, longer than Christy, and I'm not going to say how long. But you know when I got here, the, there was no idea of what active learning was, uh, and I still have colleagues who. I don't want to say actively oppose, but they resist, you know, that in the department. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw this out to each of you when you, I don't want to talk about like the idea of like, how do you win people over, but you know, what do you do when there is sort of a reticence to uh adopt something like, let's say you're hiring somebody, Christy, and they want to be a traditional lecturer. What do you do? Well, um, it, I will say that the, the people we have hired recently, uh, because we're on the state of Illinois, it's kind of on a hiring freeze, um, have been all, um, you know, uh, part-time adjunct lecturers, right? Um, and right. Um, Andre and I just because partly because we're hiring them into Gen Chem, which is the class that Andre and I have taught for a number of years, uh, we have said, hey, we've got these materials and let me show you how we do it. And, and it wasn't really a, um, an option. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> uh, and it's worked. It's worked very well. Um, uh, you know, Andre, Andrea's good about about uh, being gentle, and I've got the you know not that the chair has a lot of power, but I've got with an adjunct, you've got a little bit more power of hey, this is what we what we need you right. to do. I think it helps that we give them the material. So I'm not telling somebody, hey, I know you're getting paid the very low amount that adjuncts get paid, and I want you to reinvent your teaching. It's here are all the Pogol activities that we do in Gen Kim. Here's the schedule. And we also have, we have learning assistance, um, which is a program. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we tend to offer uh, some of our more, um, and then and that's a general approach. Uh, you know, people who are less excited about Pogoling, it's like, but we're going to give you a learning assistant. And the learning assistant students have all been kind of coached in, in the joys of active learning. Um, so they'll be kind right. of nudging their their faculty mentor into, well, hey, we could try this and it would work well with the students. And hey, the students would like this. And that's the other thing is if the students have done active learning activities in Gen Chem and in, and in, and in the first physics classes, they tend to kind of hope that that keeps going. So they'll, they'll, they'll themselves do a little bit of advocating for right. that. Uh, so it, it tends to propagate that way. Sheila, what have you uh, what have you observed with uh, colleagues coming in, uh, you know, and sort of trying to convince them or sort of help them along the way to uh, providing active learning in their classrooms? So in my in my previous school, I had first like a half administrative, half teacher role, and then I was principal for a period of time, and we really there was. Um, I don't know. It was like a slow but steady approach. I don't know how else to describe it. I, because most of our staff had been there before I was and had a particular outlook on teaching, it was definitely like uh, find the first teacher who was willing to try this like crazy thing, right? Or just reflect on where they thought they could bring more active learning into their classroom. And I do think that at the age level that I of my school was a kindergarten through eighth grade program. Mm -hmm. It's already very active learning, but it, it was, it really started with conversations about switching it from, which was, I think a language that the teachers were a little more like comfortable with teacher centered versus student centered. So that's kind of where it started as a student centered classroom. And how can you guide students to try something more independently or bring in a little bit more independence. And then there were some teachers who were just kind of moving along the continuum, right? That may be like, okay, I'll let the students handle the math manipulatives themselves, right? Like the cubes and they'll put them together themselves, you know? And then there was another first grade teacher who said, I want to do a genius hour. So with first graders, I mean, she was really outside the box. So it's sort of like we do with our students was figuring out, um, <clears throat> which where each teacher was in the continuum of his or her teaching practice, and then taking them sort of step by step to okay, what's the next thing I can try? It was very incremental, but that's to me that's the only way that um, you're going to change someone's teaching practice is going to change. Um, when we had the opportunity to hire new staff, then that was part of the interview process, right? Then it was like, okay, what what is your outlook on? active learning, what does it look like in your classroom, what experience do you have with it so we could have that conversation. Um, Colleague to colleague, a little different. Um, 
it's more, at least in the school where I am, the culture is such that we observe each other as part of our, um, you know, reflection for the year. So um, I've had teachers come to my classroom to observe inquiry-based lessons or POGO lessons and then kind of talk about it a little bit. Um, and then, you know, kind of see who your, <laughs> who your allies are or who, who else is swimming in that same pool and then share the things that have been successful about that teaching method. So I guess I'm a very grassroots kind of approach, right? And even when I was in an administrative position, it wasn't like something that the job hinged on, but it was, you know, let's, let's see where you're gonna grow as a teacher. And I, this is a vision that I have for our curriculum and let's see where you fit into it. So, you know, trying to be inclusive, but also give like that little, you know, but you can do yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that the key there is nudging them along, providing, you know, as as Christy said, if you provide materials to, like, particularly adjuncts, you know, and those of us in higher education, we're, you know, we're often, well, I guess we're increasingly reliant upon adjuncts now. Um, and many of them come in with very little teaching background you know they may have like particularly in the sciences they may have come from an industrial uh exposure or they may be sort of have bounced around uh various teaching gigs uh and they may have not necessarily sort of been exposed to active learning techniques and so really what it is is just offering up you know because you know they're they're not sure what they want to do you know, they you you try to give them as much uh, support to do active learning as possible without necessarily pushing them. Because if you push, I've found um, it doesn't really go very well. <laughs> you know, if you, if you push too hard, um, you know, and it's funny because like I have, you know, some supportive colleagues here uh, who, you know, really like what I do in the classroom because uh, it makes the students that they get after me that much better, but they are unwilling to really jump in um, because it's just something that it, it's not their style. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's something that, that needs to be honored is that, you know, some people, it's not their style. They can be very effective lecturers and they can be very engaging and in some ways that does bring students along i just wish that they would do more but there's very little very little i seem to be able to do to move their move the needle on what they're doing do you have any any thoughts on how to help people out in that position i'm, I'm looking for help here so <laughs> i mean i i think that for teachers to make a significant change in their teaching mm -hmm. practice, it either comes out of like a pain point, right? Like, okay, I just can't do this anymore. And I remember when I went to my chairperson and I was a very young faculty right. person at that point, it was like the end of my second year. Um, but I said, I can't imagine trying to be funny for the next 20 years in a lecture <laughs> to try to keep students engaged. <laughs> And then how much do I have to bend over backwards right. and this and that? And um, so for me, that was a pain point. Right. I was just like kind of, I needed something different. And I um, I also just knew myself as a learner, I didn't, 
I really had a hard time in classes where it was just the professor speaking, and then I had to memorize what the professor was saying, and then repeat at least 80% of it when I took a test at the end, at whatever point, right, at whatever assessment point. So I think the pain point struggle is one, which I think is also a way to access the teacher's reflection and say, like, well, how do you feel in terms of, you know, asking like kind of probing questions and how, helping them reflect on what feels right about their practice and what doesn't. And then I think the other is really just the example, like really inviting, being very, very transparent with your teaching, mm -hmm. always right. teaching with the door open. Like in my case, I, in you know, I never close my door. There's students all around, there's teachers all around, and I talk really loud. Mm -hmm. Um, and then really just being vocal about, not on purpose, it's just how I talk, but, and just inviting people in and saying, you know, um, why don't you just come see? Right. And one of the things that I've always wanted to try and have just never gotten off the ground are rounds. You know, it was one of those things that you learn in graduate school, like, oh, there are schools that have instructional rounds mm -hmm. and teachers travel from room to room and watch each other you know, engaged in teaching, and then you debrief it later and discuss it. And I think that releases a lot of the fear of trying something because you see somebody else doing it and it just opens up reflection. So I guess those are the two ways I look at it. One is if you have the opportunity to have the conversation in like a low stakes way and help the reflection component, think about what's working in their practice and then what isn't. And then also being very open to um, sharing the way that you teach and allowing people right. to see you kind of do the inquiry yeah. or active teaching or whatever it is. Yeah. I think there's still a, the fear I hear most often is, well, you know, we're sitting, you know our students are going to graduate and then they're going to go to medical school or they're going to go to pharmacy school for us or graduate school. And we've done them a disservice because we've never taught them how to, um, survive in the uh, lecture only lecture and only environment, and and I think that's a it's a real fair, especially at a school like ours where we have small classes to begin with. We don't have giant lecture halls, so students aren't aren't having that uh, experience, and so I think that's a that's a concern. I think the the counter to that is is a if they never learn enough, they're not going to get up there anyway. But also, right. but also, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You don't have to commit to doing, you know, nothing but, but active learning every day. You know, maybe right. there's one topic that you know that I mean, it, we all know this, right? You give the test, and you know from year to year that that no one is going to get this particular question right. You know, other than the people who happen to know it before they started out in the class. You know, that's the one thing that maybe figure out. Well, could I try, um, try a more active learning approach to that? Or, or you know, something you just talk about, you know, that it, that it is a, it is a journey. I did a number of years of clicker questions and just-in-time learning sorts of questions before I uh, started Pogo, and and I still sometimes for there's a few topics in GenChem that that uh, that get the clicker questions uh, because whatever I've been trying with Pogo isn't working that year, and so so we're gonna briefly default to clicker questions and see how that goes. Uh, so I think it's okay to to tell people you're not you're not uh, you're not putting all of your chips in one basket when you do this. Right. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there are some people you know we know in the project who 
you know, this is, you know, Pogel is all they do for their classes all the time. And that works for them. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, the notion of trying to bring colleagues along, letting them recognize that it's not an all or nothing thing. I you know, we would say that, you know, you know, every couple of classes, I'm going to spend about half of the class time, you know, just talking through some points rather than allowing the students to struggle with it because either they're tired of the struggle sometimes yeah. and, you, you know, you need to support them. Uh, so I think that, you know, all of these, you know, just have, I think one of the things that's a, a really good message for people who are uh, curious about active learning, but afraid of it is that I think one of the things that has, it has allowed me is to better understand what students are doing in the moment in the classroom because you know you're engaging with them the whole time uh, i mean even if they're off in their teams doing something and you're purposefully standing back you're still engaged you're still paying attention to what they're doing which is not something that happens in a in a sort of a more traditional environment um so i i think that one of the things that we haven't really touched on a little bit uh is how do we talk about you know the people who are higher up in the pay grade than 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 we the Pogel practitioners. I mean, so we've we've each had some administrative experience, and we know that uh, that administrative experience means more responsibility, not necessarily any more authority. Um, <laughs> uh, so how do you how do you uh, pursue talking with uh, administrators above you? uh with this uh i mean we we've all been fortunate enough to be in you know the three of us have been fortunate enough to be in places where we're given enough latitude and our departments have allowed us to move forward but how do we how do we sort of bring that forward to like the new administrator who just you know the dean who just got hired or the principal who just got hired and who has no idea what you're doing anybody want to join jump in here well i think it helps that um even you know and i sometimes you know use the word pogle uh when i'm describing things to hire right. people even if i know what the faculty member isn't doing isn't quite pogle it's guided inquiry in general or it's or it's uh, you know heuristic writing or something you know related to that in lab so as not to confuse things because it, it does help that pogle is a national organization uh with a web page and uh, right. I can say we're doing what these people are doing, you know, and and it links up well, you know, you know, I, I highlight the the interconnectedness between the Learning Assistant Alliance and and Pogel and how those complement each other, uh, and it helps that we've got a few small grants because money talks to universities, mm -hmm. and so you know even that very small um, grant that Andre and I got from Pogel to write a couple of polymer labs. Uh, we can say, look, we got a little bit of money to do this in the classroom. And they're like, oh, overhead, yay. Uh, so so I, I, I don't think that it's, at least again, in my, in my standpoint, um, we haven't had a lot of, oh, we want to see a lecture or anything like that. They, they, they've been relatively uh, comfortable mm -hmm. with, with us doing our thing. And, and again, it helps we've had a department with, with a lot of success with our teaching. Um, from different fronts, uh, Pogel and not Pogel. So I think we've got enough 
um, built-in uh, credibility that even if there's an occasional, because hey, that's what faculty worry about, right? Is that they're gonna have one bad semester of teaching evaluations and, and that's gonna sink their, sink their job. But that's again, just an argument for, well, don't try to do all Pogel all the time from the first day of class if you're, if you're just starting out. Do, do like you said, one a, one a week or one every other week. And that, that's not likely to do anything to your teaching evaluations. Right, right. I think for, I guess I'll speak from the perspective of now a classroom teacher without an administrative role. Um, and again, I when I applied for this job, it was already, I use Pogo and inquiry-based learning and I have a very active classroom. But I think for teachers who are feeling like, how do I talk about, about this with my administrator? I do think that secondary teachers I think we have the advantage because at this point there's the expectation that you're not a frontal teacher, right? That you're not just standing in front of the room. And I think we also know at this age range and where we are kind of post remote learning and all of that, the students do really want to be active in the classroom. So I think it's a little bit lower hanging fruit for the age range that I'm working with. Um, and I think that in the case of a chairperson, you know, you want to have that rapport with the chairperson and kind of like those conversations of like, well, this is what I'm thinking about. This is how I'm teaching. Like sort of, again, that transparency. I think if we, if we feel like we have to hide the way we're teaching or the way we're teaching won't be accepted, then we kind of have to think about like, all right, what's the culture like in my school and what's going on there. And we don't all have the privilege of picking up and moving and going to a different school. So you definitely have to operate in the culture that you're operating in. Right. So when that happens, I always say like, okay, well, find your allies, find the teachers who you, you know, your work best friend who teaches like you or thinks like you or aspires like you. And that way, at least you don't feel like so by yourself. Um, right which I often felt like there was a time where I had a chairperson who wanted everybody lecturing and everybody who was teaching the same section of the same class should be on the same topic in the departmental syllabus on the same day, whether you were teaching yeah. one three-hour lecture, two hour and a half, or three 45 minutes, which right. uh, I can see from everybody's face. Yeah. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you find, you know, you find that ally. And I think though, I do feel optimistic that at least in the, I don't even want to say K to 12, let's say middle school and high school level, this is where published curricula are heading in the first place, inquiry and thinking and, you know, being student centered and having social skills infused into the curriculum across the curriculum. So I think it's a great time for this type of, um, for this, for us to bring Pogel to this to K to 12 or five to 12 or whatever, right. whatever age range. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I agree. And, and even your, your suggestion of, of finding your allies is, is really important. Being open with your administrators uh, is very important. Um, when I started here again, there, it was, there were a lot of sages on the stage uh, at this institution. And the notion that, I would walk, I mean, you know, it's a small institution, but the idea that during the classroom, I would walk around and sort of see what students are doing 
that was sort of viewed as a little strange too. Like, why would I leave the chalkboard? You know, because I mean, how are you going to move to the next transparency? Oh, wait a minute. I just dated myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, and so, um, you know, and, and even today when I am lecturing, I am not up front. I'm usually sitting in the back. I love the remote control on my computer uh, because I want to be in amongst the students and just that activity alone shows some engagement uh, and allows you, you know, because I, I noticed early on that students, when you're up there talking, students will lean over and ask the person next to them, what did he say? You know, or try to explain that. And so I found that if I'm just sitting amongst them or not necessarily sitting, but standing or leaning on a chair or whatever, they have more comfort in just leaning over and say, okay, what does that mean up there? And uh, I mean, just those little things right there sort of promote uh, student engagement. And I think that um, those those little things are helpful. And, you know, I actually sort of learned doing this, learned sort of this habit from a colleague of mine, uh, in our education department. I mean, this is how she did things because she used to be, you know, a high school math teacher. And so this is how you do things in high school math teaching. I'd never had any formal teacher preparation, you know, as a, as a, as a college professor, we don't get that. I mean, other than being a TA and back in those days, you know, there, there was no active learning. You know, I was just, I was just grading stuff and holding office hours. So I think, you know, getting the education part uh, is important, but finding the people who you can talk to at your institution is, is a huge, uh, huge support mechanism to keep you going. Um, well, it might be worth yeah. checking in with your, your, your recruiting staff, because at least, um, I mean, in state schools, right, which are primarily driven by by enrollment, uh, and we know right. that the number of future college students is is declining across the country, at least in the vast majority of states. Uh, that that the institutions are sensitive to to enrollment. So if you can if you can have somebody or talk to somebody about how this is actually something that 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 students, for the most part, because they are seeing it in the in the high schools, they 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 sort of want. Now they might they might not. Here's where you want to use the word guided, you know, active learning, and maybe not 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 pullable because some high school students have had you know unfortunate experiences with with with, uh, <laughs> with uh, pullable yeah. as homework, not not as a, an active learning experience. But uh, but but you know, I've noticed, you know, I've got a, I've got a junior in college myself, or sorry, a junior in high school, uh, looking at colleges now that, that the, the number of the colleges starting to mention, you know, that, you know, come here for, for active, engaged learning, right? Well, great. What do, what do you mean by that? So the, the, the incoming students are savvy enough to know that that's something that they might want, or at least it's a differentiator. Right. And, and so we should, we should check. And, and that gives you a little bit of, of, Play if you want to, if you need to talk your way into trying something, you can say, well, you know, the recruiting people said that people are asking for this. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
so any any other final thoughts that people have here on 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 helping helping our future Pogel colleagues uh, uh, sort of get uh, you know increase their use or sort of get more comfortable doing it at their home institution? Well, obviously, reach out to the Pogel Project. <laughs> yeah. See if there's somebody in your area, you know, like a local puzzle practitioner who's a little further down the path and connect and, you know, find. It always helps to not feel like you're alone. Right. Yeah, I was going to say that those, the you know, one of, you know, we've been, uh, our adjunct has paid, or we've paid, covered, you know, one of the E-series which isn't necessarily mm -hmm. an obvious introduction, but it's a short introduction on some part of it. Right. And, and it's $20, which is generally within a price point uh, for most departments to cover. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, so you actually have been, you have paid for adjuncts to uh, participate in, in the yeah. series. Okay. So that's, yeah, cause I we mean, can't that's... quite afford a whole three day trip or anything, but we can afford $20 to, <laughs> Right, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. So I mean, there. That's a that's a good way to sort of uh, bring people along. I mean, I will say that I have uh, gotten a few of my colleagues to go. I mean, go to workshops uh, and participate in things, just at least so that they think about how to put it into their into their teaching. Um, and again. You know, you're not going to win over everybody to be going 100% active learning in their classroom. But, you know, anything that we can do to move the needle um, and help others to move the needle. So, well, Christy, Sheila, I really want to thank you both for uh, an engaging conversation. You know, it's 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 sort of a tricky spot for people who who want to sort of develop more active learning. Uh, figuring out how to do it and 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 how to make it, you know, be a comfortable thing for them to do as well as something that, uh, you know, is accepted in their institution is it's, it's a really important topic, uh, you know, and I hope we have uh, further conversation on this. Yes, Alex, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's it's very interesting that as Pogel practitioners, we don't talk as much in the classroom as some other people might, but we certainly enjoy talking about Pogel, and we certainly enjoy those conversations when we get a chance to tell people what we're really doing in our classroom. So again, we invite all our listeners out there to, uh, to talk to us at the podcast. You can do that uh, through hashtag the Pogel podcast on the Facebook page. And we will be having another uh, happy hour coming up here pretty soon. So for everybody at the podcast, we wish you uh, the best of uh, classroom experiences that you can have. Uh, keep Pogelin on and we'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.